You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. How's everyone doing today? All right, David Hall. Hello, hello. Kyle Pendigraft. Oh, it's already been a long week. And Tony Groves. Hey, good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. On the show today, we will look at the new dirt ladder. We'll also ask, should they take the joy out of the Pro Invitational? And we'll give you some sequential shifter options for the next-gen cup cars. And remember, you can follow along with us on your mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all the great topics and products we discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. We hope to see you there. Coming soon, Grid Finder 2.0, a complete overhaul to the better suit the sim driver's needs, adding many new features to its already robust search functions, including allowed controller types, driver assist, race length, and whether leagues are currently recruiting. The changes don't stop with the leagues page. Grid Finder is also rebuilding the paint booth, commentary box, and the merch page. A the site is still fully functional as they work through the beta phase to make sure that GridFinder 2.0 launch is as slick as the new logo. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or to upload your own. GridFinder is the home of online sim racing leagues. GridFinder.com We didn't have a Coke race this week as they're taking two weeks off this time. So we're jumping right into the news. We have the new dirt road ladder. The iRacing dirt road users now have an expanded path through public events with the opportunity to earn Class A licenses for the first time, beginning beginning with the 2021 Season 3. Uh, the Dirt Red Letter is going to introduce additional Rallycross and Off-Road Truck Series while also adding the brand new Volkswagen Beetle RX Lite to the iRacing Rallycross competition. And we have a video here, and I did not get a chance to watch it. Yep. Pretty cool. Um, I, I thought it, it's a neat idea that they you know finally put together you know, from, from beginning to, you know, pro. So from rookie to pro, I mean, there's really a ladder system for dirt road and, and you got, you know, the trucks or the, the rally cross. So, um, pretty cool. Yeah, guys, we had a story about this a couple of weeks ago where they were going to try to revamp this, uh, dirt road system to get more better participation. So, um, I hope this really works out and, uh, it increases the participation participation for uh, the uh, dirt road guys i need to get over there i, I kind of quit running that stuff like the rally cross and the, the trucks I, I you know i just it was fun i need to get back to it i talked to tyler uh this morning and uh he's gonna he's gonna take uh the pro trucks uh serious this coming season so he's gonna really uh dive deep into the pro trucks he's really good at it remember he had to win last week and um so yeah, so it's something I really like to get back into. A couple of tracks that I haven't gotten since they've been released. I know I want to try Crandon. Um, so yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll try some more of this with this new uh, ladder system. 
Uh, looks like we got here uh, Daniel Morad, uh, iRacing Pro Series LMP2 champion, was a special guest host on the VCO Studio Show on their YouTube channel on Monday. Uh, they put a little tweet here. He won the IMSA iRacing Pro Series LMP2 title and is one of the most successful hybrid racers worldwide, Daniel Morad. Highs, lows, plus a dose of Moradness and a guest appearance of VCOFH as host of the show. And there's a little clip here. Um, I haven't had a chance to actually watch it. No, I, I got a little bit of it. But, uh, yeah, he's all gung-ho. He's really into the iRacing thing. and It's kind of fun to watch. I'll take this next one. We got an email from listener Jason Conklin. Uh, show listener, uh, let us know. Um, after our discussion last week regarding the Pro Invitational, particularly the style of commentary from lead announcer Mike Joy, and offered some strong opinions on the matter. Um, you know, basic. I, I don't have the the actual email in front of me. Let me t- see if I can pull it up real quick. Um, I got a good uh, visual on it, Mike. If you want me to read it. Yeah. Okay, so Jason Conklin wrote in to us uh, after we talked last week about the Pro Invitational, you know, the strengths and weaknesses of it. Uh, we had a little bit of criticism from Mike Joy, who um, kind of has been making a joke out of it a little bit and uh, kind of rubbed us a little bit. But uh, Jason Conklin wrote in, and he, he was a little fired up. So he says, hey, guys, love the show. Never miss an episode. Thanks to you guys, I picked up the spider lights and love them, which, uh, which is cool because they are really good. Uh, you guys should listen to Mike Joy's interview on the – Racing Writers Podcast. Uh, This guy is someone I used to idolize after this interview. I won't ever listen to him again. He absolutely insults and belittles anyone that takes iRacing seriously. Listening to to this, you begin to realize his commentary and calling of iRacing events is a slap in the face. He is not a fan of iRacing. I used to go to Stafford Speedway every spring for the Sizzler, but will no longer be attending after listening to him insult the community of iRacing due to the fact that he is the public address announcer for the event. I honestly would like to see more of the community to stand up and show that we do not consider the time and money we invest to be, as he puts it, a joke. Whatever happened to unbiased journalism, his dislike, rather disdain of iRacing shines through in this calling of iRacing events. In the podcast, he assumes everyone has the money to go to our local track and race like his BMW racing son or himself with his massive car collection. Wake up, Mr. Joy. We aren't all multimillionaire sportcasters, and and their time and effort is not a joke to us. Basically, stop paying someone that doesn't want to be part of our community. Thank you for your time as well as your comments on this matter during this week's podcast. Wow. Yeah, so he does not hold back on Mr. Joy. (laughs) I haven't listened to that podcast. I will check it out. I do want to hear what he has to say. Uh, um, Maybe Jason took it the wrong way, and I'd like to hear it for myself. But um, if he's correct and he does, he does, you know, kind of insult people who do this uh, as a hobby or even for, you know, for the uh, competitiveness, then I, th- I think it needs to be something he might take a better look at and reconsider because, um, yeah, we do take it serious. We do invest a lot into this, um, this sport and this uh, and and this sim and uh we don't like it when people make fun of it. So if he's doing the, if, if his Fox show, you know, is geared towards people who just watch NASCAR and don't have anything to do with iRacing, um, he's given them the impression that, you know, we are jokes and that we're not, you know, that while we may be serious, it's not a serious endeavor. 
and that is a little bit insulting, I think. Yeah, I I, I felt a little bit vindicated to get the email, uh, you know, just just because, uh, you know, I I, I kind of felt that, uh, you know, it was like an emotion almost after watching, you know, everything that he said throughout the 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 entirety of the broadcast. I just felt he just came across, you know, with a, a disdain or something towards it. And sure enough, I, I didn't see this other podcast, but obviously there's other people that have picked up on this. Yeah, that's you said it good there, too. Like, I, it totally comes through when he's when he's talking about it. Um, and for that, I mean, like, you know, if you don't like it, that's cool. It ain't for everybody. Um, same with like sim racing and stuff. But, you know, like. You don't need to do the broadcast. I mean, uh, they got Clint and Jeff and and Joey. He's up there. He does a good job. Mike Joy can go and you know hit hit a round of uh, golf or go play with his BMWs. Bring Evan in. That's who right. should be doing it. Yeah, he he should be up there with those mixing it up with those guys in the booth. That'd be perfect. I mean. I, I forgot who said it last week. I don't know if it was you, you, Dave, or Greg, but um, uh, if NBC had this um, show, you know, they could have Junior Dale Jr., who is, a, a, of course, a huge proponent of iRacing. He's actually an employee there. Um, uh, Greg Latart, who's a huge proponent. Um, so they have a lot of people there who would take this more seriously uh, as, a, as a broadcast. Yeah, Parker, Kligerman. Is, uh, is Greg Latart Steve Latart's brother? Uh, I'm sorry, I was sticking to Greg. <laughs> I think it was Greg. Gary, guys. It? <laughs> okay, enough on Mike Joy. But uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, everything has some say in that, but I don't think they probably do. But uh, yeah. Well, you know, looking at this bling that, that this one guy got, I don't think uh, it's that not serious of an endeavor. Yeah, right, guys. If, if you want to uh, put some uh, seriousness behind it, check out what uh, Josh Rogers one uh, as part of his uh, championship season for the uh, Porsche E Super Cup. Um, uh, of course, Tag, Tag Hoyer is one of their um, title sponsors, and they actually give away a prize for whoever wins the most pole positions in the season. Well, Josh won five of, of ten. He won half of the half of the uh, poles, which which actually, guys, is actually a, an off year for him as far as pole positions go. And uh, he shows off his new uh, Tag Hoyer watch that he received as part of his prize, and that's a that's a nice looking watch. It is. I wonder what it costs. I'm just going to look it up. Holy cow, two grand. There you go. Yeah, so that's no playing around there. I, what do you, I think his prize money was like $100,000, right? So this is the connected version of, the te- of that watch. Uh, so obviously it connects to your smartphone to do stuff. Shows really your heart cool. rate, how many steps you've taken. It's got the temperature gauge right there on the dial. Yeah, really cool because it kind of – it's neat because it combines some of the new technology with, uh, you know, with uh, fitness trackers and uh, Apple watches and stuff like that, and mixes it with the uh, the Swiss precision uh, instrument that you know a fine uh, fine watch really is, you know, and uh, so that's a really cool cool prize for Josh. He had a great season. And he definitely definitely deserves it. Yep, very nice. So, Kyle, is your uh league that you're hosting are they going to be able to give one of these watches out uh no uh, uh we'll be giving some loud gaming merch out though um 
but uh so the iroc or the iRacing iroc challenge series uh we are starting up season three uh actually starts at the end of this month and uh we have a couple of seats still open uh we're it's going to be a league of 30 cars and we're going to be in the trucks it's going to be a fixed setup uh series and we are going to be broadcasted on the uh ultimate dirt tv on youtube as well um it's a forty dollar buy in, and that gets you uh, all sixteen races, and it also gets you a little welcome uh, gift bag. Uh, it's going to have a few things in it, but uh, it's going to be a Thursday night at uh, nine thirty p.m. Eastern. Uh, so if you have any questions, uh, feel free to reach out to me. I can uh, help get you set up and going. Like I said, we have a seat or two available, um, but other than that, uh, the, the one thing I actually I will say is. We are doing a $25 raffle on a 80-20 rig and a triple monitor stand. So uh, check out the iRacing iRock Challenge Series on Facebook. And you can also go to, go to the website, too. Um, it's the same address as that. Uh, you can purchase your tickets there for drawing for a chance to win. It's about a $600 value um, offer, $25 chance. Nice. So, who who makes that um that rig? Uh, off the top of my head, I cannot recall. I could find out and post some information at a later date. Um, I had it in front of me, but I can't see it right now. Well, this is the first time we're mentioning it, but we'll t- be talking about this going forward as we get closer um, to the start of the leak, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna try to cover it weekly. Um, but of course, it'll be a, a week behind because we race same night. Re- that we record as well. Very cool. Well, we're, ha- we're going to have to see how that goes. That looks like a lot of fun. Call that the show and go series. Do the show and then go. Yep. <laughs> well, how about this video? Um, I first clicked on it. I was uh, like, okay, what's this? I've seen this a hundred times, um, usually through my own, my own view. Um, but Russell Clark, uh, Posted up a good one. These guys are uh, are battling. Looks like a Skippy car, and uh, well, they get into each other. And this has got to be like the worst way to get a DNF because he is literally sitting on the checker, like right on the finish line, just not enough to to score. Yeah, it's like not. E- I mean, he's not even an inch away. It's like. A- He's touching the line, literally, but it's not enough to trigger the, the, the completion, right? Yeah, That's, that should count because he's across, He's at the beginning of the line. He, his nose is over the, ask. the line. That's what I was going to ask. His nose is over. You know, when they take a photo finish of a race, that's where they're checking to see who won is right at that line. And he's actually a little bit past it. So I wonder if that's a scoring issue in iRacing where, um, where he should have been counted as completing that lap. Well, remember in real race tracks, uh, the way it works is they, there's a line underneath the track or embedded a wire, you know, that they drive over, or there's like a visual, uh, you know, beam that they break. Uh, so when I was out at Phoenix International Raceway, they used to have those little beams, um, and uh, the car would go by and break it, but. It wasn't right at the line where the line was painted on the on the ground. It was like in the middle of the big st- uh, strip of checkered flag that kind of defined the, what the the finish line was. So it's not like baseball where you call a foul, you know, on is in. It's more like swimming, and you got to break that. 
uh, you got to break the laser. Well, I'm just saying that, that might be how iRacing modeled it is based on the laser. Is um, but what? But like, just what someone else said is, you know, if it come down to it, NASCAR is going to look at video evidence and decide that way. Well, instead of yeah, a heart, oh, go ahead. I was I was just going to say real quick. Um, in in the dirt cars I used to race, we used to have to zip tie a transponder, and we usually put it on uh, the post behind the seat. So that probably wouldn't have recognized um, completing that lap. Now I think about it. Well, they compensate for that when where they place the sensor based on where they place the sensors as well, because the transponders on the on the cup cars are not in the middle either, or not at the front either. But uh, shifting from a heartbreaking video to a heart racing video, we've got a basically a, uh, one of those amazing avoidance videos. Michael Gonzalez got a tweet from iRacing as he avoided just about every car at Kansas Speedway, including the ones he couldn't see because, yeah, there's smoke everywhere nowadays. Yeah, so this one blew me away in a couple different ways because... First, the smoke. I mean, it really demonstrates how perfect the smoke is now and how you can't see nothing when that smoke is coming. Uh, second, boy, I mean, Kansas is like Talladega when there's a big one. Yeah, that track closed up really quick. Um, I, I'm not sure that he didn't get sideswiped a little bit there. I can't, can't tell for sure, but um, for the most part, he came out clean. Pretty cool video, yeah. So, guys, uh, one of the uh, leaks as far as Season 3 is concerned, uh, we found out that iRacing will debut four new fixed series. So uh, there's going to be a fixed F3 championship, an LMP2 prototype challenge, uh, a World of Outlaws fixed sprint cars, and the new Formula V iRacing series. So uh, they're all going to be starting out in uh, season three when it comes around, and they are all going to be fixed setups. Now, um, as far as I'm concerned, I really like that they're doing a fixed setup in the World of Outlaws sprint cars. I'm assuming it's going to be the 410s. That's what the World of Outlaws are. So um, I'm sure it's going to be the 410s. And, um, you know, I loved racing the 305s because I didn't have to worry about setups. That's the only – that's the only um, – fixed setup race in sprint cars that there has been once you advance to the next license you go to the 360s and you know then you start getting into um open setups and you know it's a whole new dimension and a lot of times i, I race a few 360s with the with the default setup and made some small changes but i didn't really have time to really dig deep into doing setups for the sprint cars um so I would go back and run the 305 just because it was I had more fun because of that. So now that there's going to be a 410 World of Outlaw uh, fixed setup races, I am definitely going to be hitting those. Oh yeah, these are this is exciting for me. I except for the F3, I don't know that one doesn't do anything for me. But the the Formula V, just because it's that new rookie car and it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be like that Formula Ford kind of thing. And that's free too, right? The Formula V is a free free car. Right. It's going to be a free car. And uh, so that'll be fun just to try, of course. But this, the one that's really intriguing is the LMP2 prototype challenge, where it's only the LMP2s. And some of the forum thread that I was reading this week on this, a lot of the road racers are excited about this because they think, A, 
maybe it'll draw some of those crazy LMP2 drivers out of their races into this one. And then B, by them running these fixed races that are short and sprints, basically, maybe they will become better drivers. And the, most of the, the GT drivers, sorry. Most of the issues that happen, there's there's two things going on in those multi-class races. There are some some guys running the LMP cars that aren't so great at it, especially if you get really down into the low ride ratings. But there's also a, a a group of GTEs, and we've talked about this before, that have the wrong attitude about how they're they should be able to drive their laps and are are turning down on LMPs who have made it a safe overtake because they expect them to only overtake them when they can completely clear them before the corner. So, you know, that that may not solve that, especially if they're not having to deal with multi-class. True. But it is a good training ground. I mean, I would be interested in maybe even just trying it, even though I'm not really a road guy. Well, these fixed races are kind of a good way to find out where you stand, you know? Because if you're always in these open races, you can always fall back. If you're not doing well, you can always fall fall back on i don't have a good setup but when you get into a fixed race you know you don't have that excuse anymore i know that the setups are kind of a little bit of objectivity because some people like cars set up a little different than others but at least you know you're racing against everybody with the same with the same deal and uh you can judge a little bit closer how 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 close you are to um to being where you need to be time-wise as a driver and it's only 20 minutes, and, uh, you know, that's perfect because my back doesn't want longer than that sometimes. So I, I love it. I think this is a great idea. Um, so other people on the forum threads were like, you know what, uh, there's too many series already. This is only going to dilute the the current series even more. And, and some people were saying it's not a good idea, but I, I kind of like it. Well, we went over some of the uh, stats from uh, from, like, the NIS the fixed series races are like drawing twice the participation as the open setups. Yeah. And like the F3 fixed is opposite the F3 open. So you can literally do one race after another, if you bounce between open the fixed, and that's how they have it set up. And uh, one more thing, Greg West said, quote, not going to lie. Testing has been an absolute blast with this thing, referring to the formula V. I might be biased, but we are really happy with the progress on this car. Uh, if I could add one thing in here real quick. Uh, going back on the league for the uh, raffle, it's a TTE Master Rig with triple stand. Track time, oh. track time entertainment. Yeah, it's uh, yellow and black. Looks pretty sharp. Ooh. Yeah, I love those colors, too. And it looks like a decent built uh, rig, too. It's not one of the uh, the ones that are a little bit lighter built. Yeah. Well, how about them ladies? They got themselves a race coming up this Saturday. Uh, ladies Night Out Racing. Uh, they're doing the whole flower power uh, at Charlotte. Back to Charlotte. Now, these ladies know this track. Um, these ladies are getting pretty darn used to these uh, the new cup cars that they're in. Uh, so this is... I'm expecting big things uh, this weekend aftermath boys we are calling the race again they're having us out i can't believe they keep bringing us back but um we love watching them we love chatting about it Ex expecting a lot of good things uh at charlotte this uh this saturday night uh green flag drops at 9 p.m so um 
Yeah, search them up on uh, Old Bastards Racing uh, YouTube channel. Check out their Facebook. They'll be they'll be broadcasting live on Facebook, YouTube, wherever you get your videos. Um, come check us out. And they need more ladies. Let's point that out too. I mean, they really, uh, you know, they're recruiting. So uh, if you have your significant other out there and they're ready to get on track, this is a great group. And then uh, Charlotte. Tony, that was the first time you guys broadcasted uh, their league was at a Charlotte race, if I was mistaken. And it was a, a kind of a sheet show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, we've been all around all around the world with Charlotte. Um, yeah, they, they started out at Charlotte with the uh, street stocks. And, um, yeah, very much huge caution fests. Um, and this is why, uh, you know, this racetrack is such a good uh, – good one for them to be at because we'll really be able to see the progress that they've made. I mean, it's pretty easy to see it anyways. Um, but you go back from, you know, that very first Charlotte race or even the one where they, they, um, they, you know, they weren't counting caution laps. Um, you know, that was that like that, that two hour, uh, endurance race, basically all done under caution. And now we're there with the, with the cup cars. And I believe they've done this in the cup cars before. So uh, this should this should be some there should be some really good racing happening. All right. Well, um, actually, everybody, if you are an iRacer iRacers Lounge podcast fan, then you need to save the date for a charity race that we're putting on. Come and join the iRacers Lounge as we host the multi class of madness and Michigan charity race on June 11th at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Irishers Lounge presents Multi Class of Madness in Michigan, June 11, 9 p.m. Eastern, at Michigan International Speedway. 100 laps, Multi Class. Uh, it'll be the Cup Car and the Xfinity Car. Uh, prizes for overall best in class and class pole winners. Registration forms still to come. Sorry for the double read. <laughs> I think this is the Cup Off Week, right? That's why Tony put this together. Yeah, we traditionally do some kind of hosted race every time we have an off week in NIS. Right. So this is it, guys. Uh, June 11th, Friday night. Uh, we want you, everybody who's listening, hey, guys, come on out and race with us. This is going to be fun. The only thing about Tony's plan I might interject is can we add the next-gen car, too? Would that be cool? Uh, we'll test it. We'll see. Uh, we did a test race, actually, a couple of was it either last weekend or the weekend before? It didn't end up having very good numbers, but we had two cup cars and two uh, B cars, and the, the cup cars ended up being ultimately being able to pull away once we broke the draft, but as long as a B car was in the draft, they could stay right up with the A car, and we are going to run it as multi-class too, so the B car doesn't have to beat the A car, right? It just has to, to beat every other B car to win its class going to be pretty interesting so if if the there's some difference it'll be interesting the um the b car is faster in the straightaway but the a car is faster in the corner yeah we might need to add those new uh those, those, those new cars the new cup cars that they're yeah. they just released because that was not part of the equation a few weeks ago when this was all getting dreamt up so that's true we didn't even know that we were going to have that car or did we no no so maybe we need to add those as well and just have like you know, possibility like, uh, you know, the three different ones out there. That'd be fun. Yeah, I like the idea. Well, if it should, should, we maybe we need to test it, but we'll we'll probably do that. Okay, so. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. 
I was just going to say last Easter, they, when NASCAR had the off week, we had a, a race at California. It was really fun. Um, we didn't do a great job promoting it because uh, it kind of fell together at the last minute. But we'll give you guys a lot of time this 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 uh, this race to to get prepared for it and get ready for it because it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and this is going to be a charity race, guys. So um, I I think I don't know that Tony's uh, completely officially picked a charity. He's got one in mind that we might have worked with before, but uh, yeah. Yeah, he's still working out the the finer details on on that part. There, he's hoping to have it all you know ready and you know flashy for the podcast tonight. But I uh, just couldn't get it all together. But something will be in the works. You, you know, I was gonna say like going forward. In fact, like um, you know, all, all listeners, anytime that there's a NASCAR off week, um, you should be looking out you know at our socials and just keeping an eye open because we generally host a race um, when we have the off week. So. Um, those are definitely the, the you know the best times to come and, and and race with us. Okay, so we have the 2021 season two patch six uh, that was earlier today. Um, basically, they updated the uh, cup car sets and uh, the tires on several road cars were updated. What else am I missing? I found the link. Well, one thing that is interesting on there is that it confirms that dynamic heating of the brakes is a factor. Is this something because there's an update to the dynamic heating of the brakes on the cup cars? Okay. I was wondering, did it change Dover? Uh, are we going to be going into Dover uh, tomorrow nope. night with something different? Nope. We got Charlotte, Circuit of the Americas, and Darlington had some changes. Um, Cir- Charlotte and Circuit or Coda were both just general track service changes. Darlington, they fixed an issue with pit service checkboxes getting reset midway down the pit road. And that pretty well covers the patch. Okay. And then the six hours of Watkins Glen is back. And uh, I think it was last year or the year before they, they, uh, this went away and there was quite an outcry, but it's back June 18th through 20th. Mm Mm-hmm. And we're looking at our time slots. These are a little bit different than the ones that have been run in the uh, for the 12-hour and 24-hour runs. We got 2,200, 700, 1,200, and 1,600 for the uh, the times. And it says on here eight cars confirmed. How are they doing that? That's a new. That's new. Yeah, that's not a mistake, guys. Uh, further down in the thread, uh, yeah, they confirm we're doing eight cars this time. So those cars are, uh, and you can count them, Delara uh, P217 for the LMP, and then the GTE, four of them, BMW M8, Chevrolet Corvette, Ferrari, Porsche 911 RSR, and then the GT3, three of them, BMW M4, Lamborghini, and Porsche 911 GT3R. Yeah, so they added an additional GT3, um, and so they're bumping the capacity for the multi-class races that's gonna if you like running multi-class and you're on an older machine it might cost you a little bit at some point they got to start moving forward though you notice how there were two bmws and only one porsche and now there's two bmws and two porsches well it, yeah it just it came down to the fact that they just released a porsche right and right uh, got to get it, it in there and we didn't have a porsche gt3 we had the porsche cup car right which was their which wasn't that basically the rough cup finally turned into a porsche after they finally got the deal right remember the rough ruf 
Well, I think the limit has been a self-imposed limit. It's not something, you know, based on the users out there, can their computers and graphics card handle that many cars? So as as we've been following, that number has gradually increased, and now we're at eight. I wonder if it's eight just for this event, or is it, for you know, for all events going forward that are, you know, in this kind of series? Uh, I'll take a look at the IMSA choices here in a second and let you know. Next up, uh, heavy discussion on the package, uh, the, the cup car package in the forums. Michael Guest, who's a, a cup driver, a uh, Coke driver, um, he asked, uh, he put up a poll in the forums about aero push in the cup and the trucks. Is it too much? And uh, he had some interesting uh, items here to say. Um, I'm going to read part of this, Kyle, that I can see on your screen. He said, we have aero push back in iRacing for the NASCAR Cup car and truck for the last six months or so now. I've raced most weeks, and from what I can tell, there is zero racing going on after lap 15 of any run at any track. Unless you really destroy your tires, the leader is untouchable, even if they're 0.2 or 0.3 seconds slower than the real pace. There just seems to be a disconnect in the ability to make moves after a certain point in the run compared to real-life racing, especially as the field begins to spread out. I absolutely do not agree. Really? I thought it was spot-on assessment. Uh, I pass cars all the time on, on the long run. In fact, that's usually where my advantage comes in, is I'm better at long run than short run. It's hard to pass a car when they're almost equal to you. But um, in, in most places, unless, unless they... Uh, Except for a couple of tracks, you can set up the run. It's just you have to set the run up. You have to really work the driver. You can't do it instantly in one lap. Well, I mean, look at his pers- if you look at his perspective and look at the Coke race at Kansas, it was a parade once it got past, you know, a 12 lap run. And there wasn't nobody really moving forward like you're saying. And I, I don't know, it's maybe because all those guys are so close together in talent. You know, it's like a fixed race. You know, once they're spread out, nobody's passing. I don't know. But his point was he was trying to compare it to the NASCAR Darlington race, you know, that Martin Truex won and dominated. And it just played out differently than what we see on iRacing this year. So he's just saying that the product that we're seeing on iRacing is is a little different than what he's seeing on TV. Well, everybody complains about how hard it is to pass on TV too. So uh, you know, I don't. I definitely don't think it's harder on iRacing to pass than it is in the real cars when when you really do get drastically harmed by the dirty air and by a, by a lot greater amount. Well, one of the things I think is hard to compare iRacing to real cars is that you don't have a discrepancy in equipment. You know, you don't have guys with uh, with better equipment than others. So, uh, you, you know, Coke Series, everybody from the first place car to the last place qualifying car anyway, all have the same exact equipment. It's just the setups that are different. So, um, I think you see a little bit more variance and a little bit more passing in, the, in uh, real life just because, you know, people are – People have different le- levels of equipment to their uh, to their r- racing. Yeah, that, that's exactly right, Brian. As, in fact, somebody in the forum said it just that uh, as as a viewpoint. But it was an interesting discussion. If you're interested, check that out. Well, we got a video of a truck flipping over a retaining wall, and 
we're just going to watch this live because we're kind of having some issues and we're looking for a launcher and boom, there it is. Um, I can't tell what track this is at, but uh, basically what happens, they go into one corner. He, you know, he kind of barrel rolls over, over the retaining wall and, uh, you know, backs it up, uh, backs the truck up just a little bit, kind of gets it onto a, onto an angle. There's a bit of a, uh, like a vertical drop and, Boom, he launches like a cannon. You know, probably goes, you know, 100 feet up in the air, spinning and twisting around. That's There's a another. Phoenix. Is it like that Talladega? Flips or something? That's that Phoenix dirt track. Phoenix dirt. Yeah, that's, yeah. Turn, that's turn one, I think, of the Phoenix dirt. So it's turn one, Phoenix turn. dirt. Yeah, just outside the wall. Yeah, there's a launcher there. I don't know if you can get to it unless you get flipped over the wall, though. That's kind of behind the wall. Now there's another track that you can do that at. You go to the end of Pit Road, and it's pretty much right there. Yeah, it looks Talladega. like he's he's falling off of a cliff as he backs up, where there's like not an actual surface, and then it yeah it just uh, ignition it looks almost like a serial number fifteen if you know if you follow SpaceX. Yeah, if if you guys want to try the launcher, the best place is Talladega. Go drive off Pit Road, the very first wall entrance to the left about 30 feet after pit road just drive into that like really slow like two mile an hour three mile an hour and uh yeah you'll launch like 200 feet up in the air that's so funny it's it's pretty fun i've played with it and done some little videos and stuff and it's fun if you're in some kind of fun race and and uh you're just driving down the front stretch in a pack and you look up kind of out of the corner of your eye and here comes a car flying down from the sky. All right, next up, uh, good luck to teammate Adam Jocelyn. He's not with us on the show because he's been at the shop, guys. He's uh, preparing for some real track, real racing in his winged cart. And so he's going to be hitting the track uh, Friday night. The car looks good. Uh, he posted up a picture of it. Uh, it's all ready to go and uh, ready to rock. So did he? Did he say what track he races at? I don't know. It's got to be dirt, right? Oh, it is so, a dirt track, yeah. Yeah, those are dirt tires he's got on there. I was looking at the grooves he's got cut in those. There's an interesting cut, uh, Brian, that the one shoulder of the tire is cut one way, and the outside shoulder is cut a different way. Yeah, that's actually pretty common on other Hoosier dirts. Matter of fact, matter of fact, they make a tool that lets you cut gouges through them if you want to add extra um, extra tread to them. All right, next up, podcast housekeeping notes. Don't forget the Aftermath podcast uh, recorded last Saturday. Uh, you had a couple guests on there. Yeah, we brought our uh, sponsor, Brandon Uhouse from Uhouse Racing Designs on, had a little, uh, you know, a quick little interview with him. And then uh, Jeff Porras from the OBRL shares some. Uh, oh, we lost you. I got a keyboard. I got keyboard issues. I have a brand new one sitting here. You think I'd change it out, but I haven't. Yeah, Jeff, uh, he was a good interview. Yeah. Yeah, he was. A he dropped out again. 
Yeah, Jeff is uh, Jeff is part of the OBRL league now. He uh, races with the Old Bastards, and uh, I raced with Jeff in the uh, twenty four hours at um, at uh, Mount Panorama, or the twelve hours at Mount Panorama. He was a great teammate. He was a really really good teammate. He really uh, and a good driver too for, for road cars. I suck at road cars, but he was really good. I was kind of kind of embarrassed to be on his team. To be honest with you. But he was a really good interview. And if you don't know, Jeff Porras used to be a um, a tire changer in NASCAR. He 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 tire changed for Sterling Marlin, and he he recounts some of the stories. And uh, guys, he he was a tire changer um, the season that that uh, Dale Earnhardt passed away. And if you remember, uh, Sterling Marlin was tied up in that incident, and he goes through all the stuff that that uh, that happened to his team during the uh, you know the weeks and months after that happened. So it's a really good interview, um, really, really uh, good stories that he tells about some of the guys he's met throughout his career in uh, racing. He started as a, a engine builder, as a, a top end uh, builder, and uh, he goes through all, all, all the his experience. So it's a great show if you guys want to listen to it. It's a really good interview. Yeah, I love these long format interviews with these cool guys. Um, also, we, don't forget Midwest Simulations. You can get those uh, spotlights 10% off if you use iRacers Lounge coupon code. And we are on the Performance Motorsports Network. Don't forget to listen to us over there. Next, Fantasy. Podcast Fantasy League. In a casual setting. Yeah, there we go. I. I've got more than one button set up, but I gotta I gotta use my long arms to to reach them. Uh, this week, oh, Darlington! You know what? It actually worked out in my favor. Finally, um, you know I, I've been complaining about you know thirty laps to go, and my whole lineup falls apart. Well, it didn't happen this time. Um, I actually fared out quite well, uh, good enough to get myself back into the top ten. Um, how I'm sitting for uses, well, I think I got a bit of a strategy going. Uh, this race was, um, I don't know if it was a little easier to, you know, to, to pick, but it, it seemed to be a little bit more uh, normal for this this time of year. Uh, that was a heck of a domination by, by Truex. I don't think, I know I certainly wasn't expecting that, but, um, you know, Larson, he, he did a bang up job, almost, almost had it, but used his stuff up too much. But, um, what can I say? Finally, I personally got a, a much better week. How'd you do, Brian? Did you, did you remember your picks, Brian? Nope. Didn't, didn't remember him again. Um, didn't have a good week still with my old pick, old picks. So, I, I got to jump back onto it. I, I messed up the past two weeks. Uh, a little frustrated, to be honest with you, because I'm sucking so so terribly. And I also feel like I, I have a little bit of disadvantage because I don't watch the races live. I, I always watch them recorded because I'm winding up doing something uh, in the middle of the day on Sunday. So I don't get to catch them and I can't make garage swap out. So um, I'll just take I'll just take my damage with just picking straight up and just going with that. So. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll see what happens there. This race was a little bit more predictable, I thought, with as far as how people ran. I think people ran well who you would have thought they would run well, and I, that probably helped out you, Tony. Um, and I don't see how anybody can pick any Stuart Haas car at this time at this point in any race. They're just been awful. Really? 
Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's been tough. It's been it's been a real tough one. Um, you know, you, you expect Harvick to break through. He will. Uh, it's just a matter of like you know when. Um, the other three guys, though, I feel that they're way far back. Um, they got a lot of work to do. But uh, Brian, my best suggestion for you is, um, you know, you can't forget those bonus picks because those are you get a lot of points there. So even if you can't make that garage pick, because I know Mike. Uh, he can't typically make those garage picks because he's uh, stuck working, but um, he's got himself. I believe he's. You got to be up in the top fifteen, Mike, aren't you? Yeah, yeah I'm definitely climbing P12, and I'll tell you who's fallen. Uh, Jedi McFly has uh, fallen through the standings. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, uh, Chris sucks, and he's. <laughs> what else can I say? I mean, he's 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 pretty good at playing uh, playing second fiddle in the in the fantasy game. So, <laughs> well, up in front it's just in time. Uh, nine O oh, baby forty four second. Uh, Scotty boy third. Res dog fourth, and our own Adam Jocelyn Josad eighty three and fifth. Yeah, um, that that top five has 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 been there. There really hasn't been a whole lot of change. But I know like Res Dog and Justin Time, they they were along you know last year, and they were always up in the top five, top ten. And you know they're showing good strength again this year. So those are those are going to be the guys to beat. But Adam, he's you know he's making a good run for himself too. But I have a feeling with him doing all the racing that he's doing this year might uh, uh, suffer in the in the in the fantasy department. Yeah, it's only a four big difference between first and second. Man, it's a really close close battle at the top. Yeah, it. Uh, I tell you, it, it's 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 a race, and and the and the whole game changes. Um, and that pretty much plays out right to the very last race. It's it's pretty hard to get a huge lead uh, in this, but um, that's what also makes it you know so much fun. But you know another another race down and another race coming up uh, kind of this week at Dover. So um, you know may, maybe the guys uh, you know kind of settle in a little bit now that we got through Darlington. I highly highly doubt it. Just the way the uh, season's going, I'm gonna kind of take this last Darlington race is, you know, um, uh, a bit of a fluke for my picks and I'll probably end up getting uh, slammed into the wall next week, but I'm just going to have fun doing it anyways. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Okay, well, it's time to talk some hardware. We're going to jump into this first rig. It was one we almost got to last week, uh, but we, we put it off till this week. Uh, it's a nice rig review. It's uh, from Jack Dell Motorsports, and it's basically an actual, uh, I guess, body. I don't know if it's actually a chassis or not, but it's, it's a body sitting in it. He's got a projector screen up top, but he also has three, not 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 one ultra ride but three ultra ride monitors so he's probably got an insane field of view even though the height of it is going to be kind of pathetic but uh, i would like to see it actually running yeah i think the center monitor sitting on the hood and look at the left monitor (laughs) how it's uh, mounted so to speak so the left monitor is sitting on a looks like a bar stool with a uh, center block sitting on the seat, and it's like, uh, you know, positioned perfectly on the center block. But it looks like an unfinished garage kind of look. Uh, I It's kind of neat. He's got the big projection up at the top. I don't know. You can see the iRacing Beta UI up there, but um, 
yeah, I don't know if that's for the spectators or what, but yeah, he's got these wide, wide uh, triples. I mean, it, it looks really exaggerated with three ultra-wides. I don't know if we've ever seen this before with three ultra-wides. Yeah, it looks like an eight-foot span between those three three uh, ultra-wide screens. That's crazy. Right, not a lot of angle either because he's trying to, you know, put a car in between it, obviously. So, pretty unique. And, uh, talk about eye candy. Man, uh, the Sim Lab has got a seat. They says soon to be introduced, there will be their own Sim Lab racing seat. And oh my, it's uh it's a beauty, guys, and it it's got the red on the back and uh black on the front and it just looks it's got that racing look, but it's kind of wide, you know, for wide sim racers <laughs> like me. Um it's perfect. In fact, you know, I now, you know, I was all set on getting that Max Pappas seat. This is going to be a, a second thought to that. Maybe this is the one I'm going to get. The only issue you might run into is they won't, they, at least in the past, they have not, they've been unwilling to ship uh, seats across the sea. Take my Across the ocean. Um, yeah, like when I bought my SimLab rig, I had, to, I had to buy my Sparko seat locally. How did you feel about that seat, David? Is it better or worse than your Sparko? I'd have to sit in it to really know. But, yeah. uh, I mean, the Sparko is a nice seat, but I, I did get a pretty high-end one. The, the main thing is, is it comfortable? Is it going to keep the pressure as even throughout the, throughout your base as possible? Or is it going to put it on a, a pressure point where after two hours you can't sit anymore? Definitely looks like a, a cup type of posture, stock car posture. Not really a GT. It doesn't look like it'll lean back all that far. Well, that's just a that comes down to how you install it on the rig. You can right. kind of lay it back a little. But it does. You'll notice the legs do come out like on, on mine as well. Even I have it leaning back, but your upper body doesn't in GT position doesn't lean back that far. What what's leaned back is it that your knees are raised up a little bit and your your pressure is even from your tailbone all the way down to to where your knees are on on the chair i really need a new chair i need to really focus on coming up with the money for that see how much it is i think i'm going to wait at least until this comes out with a price and see if they'll ship it well what do we got up here next uh play seat sensation pro 2021 update um, I see this play seat. I see a seat. I see pedals. I see a wheelbase, a shifter, and I sure hope all of that comes with this for the price that they, <laughs> they are putting this thing out for. Um, $18.99 for a tube frame uh, POS. That's about yeah. all I got for that. That's on sale for down from twenty two seventy though, Tony. <laughs> okay, so what when the hell do they make this stuff out of? Is this like, you know, carbon fiber front to back? Um like sorry guys, I just don't see it. I mean, we review uh oh tons of I don't get it. There you got no you don't have much for adjustability. Um you know, like 80-20 blows this thing out of the water without even trying, even the most basic 80-20. Um, this sucks. Yeah, well, pro- for the price. Now, at the end of the day, it's not a bad cockpit or a rig, but it should be 
a third of that price. Not even that, maybe. Even with the seat included, right. that price is a little, little bit high, right? It's way uh, high, yeah. I mean, this is comparable to the cockpit I have, which is the Obutto Revolution. With the seat it, and the triples, I think it was $1,200. Um, this is 1900 I mean, I don't know. Well, I mean... You know, you can get motion for cheaper than this bloody rig. But you can get a really nice 80-20 rig for less than that. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I agree with you about the price. You can get the egg for less than that. I'm starting to sense a little uh, hate towards play seat for you there, Tony. Yeah, I got <laughs> nothing for him. <laughs> can you tell? I never liked play seat. No, actually. I couldn't tell the least bit. I'll simplify for you. Simplify it for you. Tony doesn't like anybody who has a high price tag. If it's not worth it, if it's not worth it, and there is absolutely nothing about that rig that is worth that kind of money, yeah, six hundred bucks, six hundred bucks maybe. And there's no place for your Crocs. That's it. Yeah, there's no forget cup it. Holder, no keyboard I think, tray. I think you should design a do-it-yourself rig that's composed entirely of Crocs. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we're going to do an ambient light follow-up, this project. I was so excited last week when we talked about this. What did I do? I immediately went to Best Buy the next day and bought um, the Philips Hue bridge. It was like 70 bucks, And then the Philips Hue uh, outdoor lighting strip, which is about the same price. I think I paid about 140 I installed the strip directly above my head uh, from left to right. Um, it's pretty cool. Overall, I like it. I, it, was, it was pretty expensive for the effect, but uh, a, a couple of notes. First of all, I wasn't able to recreate exactly the effect that the videos uh, about the product show. Um, they do state in the videos clearly that they do change the contrast of their uh, Aceta Corsa to make it look better on video. And, and I'm not getting the same effect that they were getting where it really went from dark to light, dark to light as you went underneath the trees kind of thing. Um, I'm getting a more, I'm getting the effect, but it's a little more, it's a lot more sub, subdued, um, it, the light doesn't just turn off; it changes the shade. It it goes it, it goes a little softer than brighter, softer and brighter doesn't go off on off on kind of thing. So some some tweaks like that. It could be that I don't have enough lighting. Uh, I very well might add uh, additional strip or two uh, to kind of match what they were doing. Like uh, Boosted Media had three of these. Uh, so in his video, he used three, one in the front and two on each side. And so I'm just trying to make do with one because of the price and to see if I like it. So I might eventually add more. Um, the other thing is I'm thinking about blackout curtains because if it's not just pitch black outside, I have two windows in this room. And so I'm kind of negotiating with my wife about the quality of the blackout curtains that I'm going to install. So that's kind of where I'm at in the project. What sold me on it was it synchronizes basically the light to what's on your screens. So when I wasn't racing and I, I have wallpapers that cycle and I have them change every few minutes, 
it matches what my wallpaper does and that's what sold me on it because i have this bright red wallpaper come up then my light goes red and then it switches green and then it goes green and it, it's just kind of cool because it complements my computer uh, my my rig and my cockpit and i was telling brian hey if you wanted a, a, a really neat lighting effect to make your rig look cool you would install this bridge with the uh, maybe the led rope uh down underneath the uh um, the seat or something, and it would just look cool as you were racing. Now, Mike, what if you added some just other regular colored light bulbs and, you know, run them off of, you know, either uh, fix like fixtures of some sort, whether they be freestanding fixtures or. Yeah, they, I mean, you can certainly do that. Uh, one of the other videos we have, the other guy, he just had a light fixture, uh, like a clamp-on light, and with a regular Philips Hue bulb, just a regular bulb. Um, yeah, you could certainly do that. I think for aesthetic reasons, I would probably get another strip like the one I have and just add to what I have. But if you were starting out, you might just consider that too. I was thinking just uh, the overhead light bulbs, just for putting in Philips uh, bulbs and those, but... Uh, the ceiling fan I have has a smaller screw-in bulbs, not a regular size one. And I couldn't find the Phillips bulbs that are the smaller size. Okay, so, no, I was meaning using the bulbs as well as your LED lighting. Because uh, the LED lighting will work, you know, it's it's pretty bright, but your ceiling, I imagine, is probably about 8 feet. Um, so it's up there a bit. But if you, yeah, like even a couple of those clamp-on, um, uh, you know, single light bulb, uh, deals and you know clamp them like on your rig so it's it, you're still going to get that effect but it might help um you know just add to what what those uh strips are going to do for you just just help uh i don't know embellish some of the uh transit light transitions that you're seeing that's not a bad idea and it'd be a cheap experiment too because i could just buy one phillips bulb and just find some kind of lamp to put it in and like put it above the pedals or something Good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I was going for. It seems to me like uh, getting your room darker is going to be the key to getting that effect amplified. I think, like, um, when you got when it's competing with natural light or or other lights in your room, I think you're not going to notice the difference as much. So I think that might be the key is getting the room darker. Yeah, and even at, when it's late at night and it's totally dark outside, it, it's not an amplified effect. It really isn't. Um, I mean, it's much nicer when it's dark like that, but it, it it's still not to what those what you saw in those videos. Um, you got to remember, those guys were doing some crazy stuff. The boosted media had black uh, pipe and drape on all four walls and the ceiling. Um, the other guy, he he had a fake roof just above his rig, uh, so he had a lowered roof that he was uh, you know shining light on. So they were really uh, you know, making drastic changes to amplify the effect. And it really showed in the video. So I just want to caution everybody, hey, if you're going to buy into this, you know, keep that in mind. But I just love it. I, I, I really like it. Now, plus, you have the Philips Hughes app where you can just, uh, you know, change it to whatever color or theme or mood you want. They have all these different uh, presets. And, and that's kind of cool, too. All right, guys, so uh, this next item we have up is called a side bite SIM tear-off sensor. So 
what this is for is um, it's a little um, little button device. <coughs> excuse me. That you actually mount to either if you're using VR, you can mount it to the face front face of your VR, or you can mount it if you don't use VR. If you had a ball cap or something, you can mount it to the rim of your hat. And what it does is you map your um, tear off button to this device. So you actually, if you go to use tear off instead of pressing a button on your steering wheel or or on a, on somewhere else you actually have to reach up to your face and press that button. And what it does is, you know, obviously it mimics the actual movement that you use to reach up to pull a tear off off the mask of your, um, of your helmet. So that's a pretty neat idea. And, um, you know, it's, you know, obviously it's going to be more for dirt racers. So um, if you're a dirt racer and you want to get the feel of actually uh, using, you know, letting go of the steering wheel and, and, bring your hand up and pulling that tear off off this might be uh something you want to look at uh i looked it up i think it's an 80 dollar item so uh it's not not super expensive something you could you could you could use uh david this would cover up your sticker on the front of your vr probably I mean, you could, you don't need that you could do it you could just attach a button up there if you wanted to as well right well, that's what this is basically. It's a fancy put, you know, push uh, button, push button that you mount on the front of your VR, and you, the button it comes is on the, you know, ends up on the left side, not the right. Uh, but it's a really small uh, button that you mount on the front of the VR, and it has a little USB cable with a that you kind of wrap around the right side of the VR and and down your back, I guess, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're a dirt racer and you're running VR, you might be interested in this. It looks pretty cool. I've gone the simple route of just assigning that same button to my TeamSpeak button. So every time I chime in to talk on TeamSpeak, boom, clear visor. I guess uh, one thing I was uh, had thought about before is um, I think iRacing should kind of limit the amount of tear-offs you have available to you. you know, yeah, let's make it know. realistic, right? Exactly. You could you could tear off a thousand times a race if you wanted to. Obviously, you can't stack that many on top of your visor. So um, you know, just like just like the tire limits, they should have uh, tear off limits. I think. Yeah. How about like? Well, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I'm sorry. This is a crazy idea. What if you take actual dirt tear offs that an actual racer would use and just put them on the front of your VR and rip them off? <laughs> there you go. Or, or tear off sponsor stickers, right? You, you know, because I have iRacers Lounge sticker on there. I can just have a sticker that I peel off and switch sponsors in the middle of the stream live. <laughs> so I loves those rotating sponsors. <laughs> if, I would if actually, you're gonna, sorry, Brian, go ahead. Go ahead. no, Tony, please. Let's say if you're gonna limit, uh, you know, visor tear offs, they'd have to add like a smear button so you. You know, you hit that button and you just kind of smear the mud around, try and get like a little bit of a view, right? Well, then there you need you the well, then you need the button that replicates uh, Dale Earnhardt, you know, leaning out of the car with a uh, a wipe and trying to clean his own window while he's driving. <laughs> um, but yeah, actually, when I read the story and I looked at it, I thought it was really interesting. Something I was thinking about. My only drawback was it is I don't like having all these extra wires coming off of my headset. You know, it's they just end up pulling or yanking you or something like that. 
Um, so I don't know. It, it, it's a cool, I, th- I think I, if you really want it, I think you probably deal with it and, and set it up to where you don't have that problem. But uh, yeah, I, I still think it's a pretty cool product. It begs to be wireless. If it could be wireless, yeah. Exactly. If it's wireless, I'm ka-ching on that one. All right. Well, looks like here we got uh, Joe Sullivan is selling uh, a set of CNC pedal pads for the HE Pro and the Ultimate pedals. Um, pads look good, but I actually got to say this pedal set looks amazing the way it looks. And that red pad just really makes it pop, I think. Well, the, the Heiskenveld pedals are known to be good but the these pads that this guy has made i mean i just love that you know it's almost like a crimson red or i don't know it's what like you would an- call it it's anodized red it's anodized red, red. Yeah. he makes them in black too if uh if you look at his uh his uh, forum post oh yeah i see the black ones too yeah i kind of like those even better but what a nice uh, upgrade if you already have these pedals you know we have a rig that might be more to uh, Tony's liking. In fact, it's got a pretty good value for about 400 bucks. It's got a rig with a seat included from G- from GTR, GT- the GTA model. I guess GTR Simulations is the brand up on their website. Yeah, yeah. it's just GTR Simulator. Um, it's probably a little bit limited on adjustability at a glance, uh, but... It, it'll get the job done it's got an it's got a place for the pedals it's it doesn't have the post in the middle of in the way of your feet which is always something i like to watch out for it does already have the shifter thing in on in position that comes with it but I, you can put that on either side if you happen to drive in in england or aussie uh but it looks like a nice rig for the price yeah this is the kind of seat i kind of currently have it's reclinable um you know it's it's not like a full-on racing seat with the wrap around your head kind of thing, but uh, looks comfortable. But yeah, a place to mount your your pedals and your uh, your wheelbase, and uh, that's it. I I've seen these. Um, there's actually a bunch of these for sale up here in Canada. Used, um, you know, people speak. You know, I say like they you know praise them, but they you know they they do the job and they're you know they're fairly sturdy. Um, but they, I think the, the general consensus of the chair, um, isn't all that comfortable, but you know, a rig for that price with a chair included, um, there's concessions you're going to have to make, but it's, 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 it's all doable. Yeah. It's, it's a so thumbs up in my book. That play seat that was 1800, if it was 389, that might be a good value. Oh yeah. Yeah. If that was 389, even with no seat. Um, I, I feel like that would have been a good value for that for that placey because the design is you know it does look all right, um, but yeah, no this is this is a little better. This seems to me more like a, a console but a system that would be work really well with consoles because um, there's no no like um, mounts for your monitors or anything like that, keyboards or anything like that. So, um, but. For the price, it's you know it's a good starter, little starter rig, I think. So a quick update. Um, I did finally remember to go back after updating and checking the available cars in the IMSA series. It still just has the seven cards. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Okay, so we'll, uh, maybe they'll see how it goes with the eight at the 
six hours of Watkins Glen and then maybe change it. I got the next one, uh, rig recommendations for John Hughes, who's a staffer at iRacing. He posted up a forum post. Hey, he's thinking about uh, upgrading um, to a racing rig and is looking for recommendations. Uh, he actually uh, started uh, with a link to the rig we just re talked about. So that's why we talked about that one, uh, the $389 one. Uh, everybody uh, gave him some a lot of different ideas and basically all the different cockpits that are out there pretty much are mentioned. I actually mentioned one. I decided to mention one we talked about several weeks ago called Rock Solid Rigs, which is that wooden one that looks like an 80-20 rig, but it's made out of wood. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what John ended up picking. I think at the end of this thread, he might uh, have... Yeah, he said, looked at all of these replies. You've given me more to think about than I already had. Thanks a lot. I guess all that new tire model stuff I was working on will have to wait while I figure this out. So that's don't, why we go. Oh. I was going to say, don't, don't wait on the tire model, please. Right. Let's just tell him we'll buy him a rig if he'll fix the tire. <laughs> there you go. Let's take a collection. We can start our... Oh, and the cautions. <laughs> Well, speaking of rigs that might be overpriced. No other than Tony to tell you about it, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, um, yeah, just at a glance, I mean, this thing is freaking ridiculous, but it's from Rickmatech, so, you, you, you know, you, you're expecting a higher price point. But with Rickmotech, unlike PlaySeat, um, Rickmotech is coming with quality, and that already jumps out to me as, you know, some pretty good quality here. Does it uh, fit the price point they're going after? I highly doubt it. Um, but, I mean, you put this one here side by side. So this is more of an 80-20 uh, style rig. And it's got, um, like, a lot of the bracings and brackets are um overdone yes yes they're not an 80 20 but they they bolt and clamp right onto it uh, a little bit more stylized so if you sit this beside the play seat you know they're oh yeah they're generally the same price like well play seat you know not on sale they're the same price i mean come on this one's been around forever i came across it and just thought we'd remind people it's out there they have a uh, rickmotech has their own chassis yeah, I mean it's it's still a stupid price. Like I don't know why you would pay this. There's just so much better out there for for a lot less money. Um, but you know, I guess if you got to have a gun to your head and it's this or stupid play seat, I mean you're going Rick Matek. Disclaimer: the views of Tony Groves do not reflect the views of Iris's Lounge Podcast. <laughs> well, they might, but except for when they do. Publicly, we won't admit it all right guys if, if you want to see what some of the real um real great features are from an 80 20 rig perspective this next story kind of shows off the flexibility and customer customability of uh, an 80 20 rig so um this is from our sim racing on reddit and he put in a video of his uh sim lab gt1 and it, it it can be used it doubles as a flight sim and a driving simulator. So he's got his normal uh, pedals and, and wheel uh, in place. And then he has a, he made a, a double, a double hinged uh, K 
keyboard mount that lets him swing the keyboard to the side and then swing it right back in front of him. He's got a, a, a Hotus um, uh, stick and uh, throttle control on that are mounted on the left side of his uh, rig for flight controls. And he's actually even got a second set of pedals um, for his uh, rudder pedals. So he can switch from his rudder pedals um, and switch right to his um, to his driving pedals that are placed right in front of it. So it basically switches from car to car to plane without doing any serious mod you know changes. It's it's really cool how he uh, incorporated the eighty twenty flexibility to create something that was uh, suited his needs because apparently he likes to drive and likes to fly. Um, one thing that you're overlooking here, if you look in between, right above the pedals, he's got a fan mounted down there too. That's cool. I, I that. did see that. He's got the fan between his legs. I have, I have a fan that's mounted on mine that's a little up high, you know, that I use some extra spare eighty twenty to to mount. So yeah, so he likes he likes it cool between his legs. I like it on my face because I'm in VR, I guess. So I guess the seat must go forward or backwards, so depending on which set of pedals he's using. That must be the trick to it, because he's got the regular driving pedals farther away, and then he's got the rudder pedals for flight, you know, basically real close to the seat. But what I love about this is the keyboard, uh, the keyboard tray and arm that it's on. It's just like this arm, and it's like rock solid and... This is why I love 8020. I mean, I, the next rig I get will be 8020 because of this. I want I want something exactly like this for the keyboard and uh, you just kind of push it out of the way and you bring it back when you need it. It's awesome. Yeah, this guy's done I, a nice job on this. This is beautiful. It's it's beautiful all the woodwork he's done for it and everything. It just looks really nice. So so yeah, so on my rig, I was getting tired of like uh, the cable from my headset, like catching on stuff, you know, whether it was on my shoulder or where the seatbelts mount over my left shoulder. And so I was like, I'm just going to, I'm going to build like a, a pole and I attach it to one of the uh, pieces of age 20 behind my left side. And it raises up a pole, like about two feet above my head. And I put a hook on there that I run now I can run my VR right up through that hook and I have complete freedom now and I'm not snagging the cable or nothing like that. And it was just so easy to attach it to. I just need a couple bolts and one of those 80, 20 nuts and bam, you know, you're done. My will and my VR actually hang on coat hangers that are attached to the 80, 20. Yeah, I have that too. I I have uh, two hooks that are mounted that I hang my, um, you know, my formula rig, wheel uh I, the rim i hang it on that to the side so i just reach down and grab it if i want to switch it out i always thought if i had vr i would have something dangling from the ceiling <laughs> yeah that's kind of what i, I mean th that's basically what i did i just connected it to the rig instead i see all right well we've got here from fanatech a new release on their new csl pedals uh, that are complementing the csl dd uh system they just came out with uh looks like they're starting at 79.95 and that's for the two pedal set uh, you can also get a three pedal set with a clutch and i tell you what these things actually look pretty sharp they still kind of somewhat represent the last csl line that they ran but i mean they look good there's a nice little uh cad video of it that uh, kind of gives a little breakdown and some information um i actually like these um 
it wasn't for my V3s, I think this would probably be something I'd look at just for the price range of it. Wow, just some really inexpensive pedals, you know, that are not so bad. They look like they're doable. Um, and then you can get the optional load cell. You can get the optional third cl- uh, third pedal clutch kit and then an optional tuning kit with aluminum pedal plates to, for, you know, upgrade it. So they starts at 80. I don't know what it costs with all the upgrades. Uh, it hasn't been fully released yet. It's kind of announced on their forums over at Fanatec. Okay, next is our sequential shifter showdown. So with the next-gen car, guys, kind of in our face uh, as of recently, I started thinking about what are all the sequential shifters that we've seen. So I made a list, and let's go through them. Um, the first one, uh, the IO logs, is how I'm going to say it. It's A-I-O-L-O-G-S, SIM shifter, $165. Now, this one is almost the one I would I'm, I think I would pick because I have a way to mount it to where my little mouse sits. Um, it's tiny. Um, it's got some neat pressure. The little video that we're looking at, they use rubber bands to pull it forward and backwards so you can kind of see what the force is to move it. Um, kind of a neat little uh, shifter. I like it. It's got that neat light on the inside of it, too. It's like got a clear cover on the top with, uh, with red light inside, which is kind of neat. In fact, apparently you can program that light uh, somehow with uh, software. Can you connect it to your uh, Hue lights there? <laughs> I don't know. That's a neat idea. But for the value, I out of all of them, guys, I think this, this is the one why I put it on the top of the list. This is the one I would pick, I think, at 165 bucks, and I have a place to mount it. Now, are there better shifters? Yes. Who's got the next one? Well, I've got the next one, and it's uh, the Frex Simulation Shifter. We've covered this one before. This is a Japanese product. Um, and you might want to fix the typo here, Brian, when you go back and hit the notes, because it's 12,000 yen, not uh, not uh, se- not 1,200. How much is 1,200 yen? 1,200 yen would be 17 bucks. Oh, 17 Yeah, that's bucks. a good deal. Yeah, <laughs> I'm on it right now. <laughs> Tony, Tony just yeah. ordered it. 12,000, well, I did, uh, I typed in 17,000 yen, which comes out to $155. So that's actually a little bit cheaper than the other one. Um, it's a nice looking rig. It, you can mount it on different, several different ways. Um, the only kickers, there's two kickers. You, you're going to pay a little bit more for the shipping and, and, uh, you know, import, f- f- uh, duties, but also they're out of stock at the moment. I'm this not is... going to lie. This kind of resembles like the old Pac-Man Atari game handles. It's exactly what it looks like to me. It's from Japan. So you, yeah, you're going to be paying some shipping I, I think always loved frex though so next one we have is uh from jolly old england in the uk it's the psl sequential shifter v2 version 2 which uh runs between 425 and 435 pounds 435 pounds so it's a uh, it's a uh, again it looks uh like it's mounts pretty easy it's got a mounting base on the bottom um is that a tensioner? That's uh, that little knob. It's got the normal uh, the s- sequential shifter, and then at the top of it has a, a turn knob. It looks like. I'm not sure what the turn knob is. It may be the adjustment. Yeah, it's like on a uh, Fanatec 
sequential shifter or well that's also five speed you have a a little place where you have to put in a hex key and turn to make the adjustment so that but that may be what it is it's just to determine how stiff it is now one thing about this one it's based on or developed in conjunction with quafe engineering and so you'll hear that that name quafe on some of these other shifters as well uh, that we're talking about, they are uh, apparently the ones to uh, work with. Uh, as far as that big old Rickmotech uh, shifter, the H pattern that Joe Owen bought for fourteen hundred dollars, it's a Quaif engineering shifter. So just to do a little uh, currency transition, um, it comes out to five hundred eighty-two U.S. dollars. And they do have links to a couple of review videos that you can check out. And um, also on this, you can when you order it, you can select what gear knob option you want, whether you want the standard um, or the round. You can uh, pick that out as you as you order it. All right. Next up, we got here the Thrustmaster TH8A shifter, uh, which is retailing at about $180. This is the exact shifter I actually have. And I'm kind of kicking myself for this actually real quick before I get this review. Um, I had actually purchased the short shifter and the resistance adapter to put in the shifter for the H pattern. And now I can't use it with se sequential for the new cup car. So I'm a little upset with that, but I can handle that. Uh, but as far as the se sequential shifter goes, uh, I mean, there's no issue with it. I love it. You literally can just, if you look at the picture of the shifter with the H pattern, you just take the knob off, open up the cap with the four screws, take that off, spin the entire internal piece 90 degrees, put the cap back on it, and then you just program, you just bolt that down and put your shift knob back on and go on with your uh, sequential shifter that way. Pretty simple, no real hard work. Takes you a matter of a minute, minute and a half to do. And that's a very popular shifter. A lot of people have that one. Mm -hmm. I almost got this next one that Tony's looking at. I've been tempted for a while. That's the uh, SHH shifter. That one's uh, comes in at 98 euros. And we've talked about this one before, but it's, it's, it's been a while. This one's got like a desk clamp uh, built to it. Yep. And it's actually 3D, 3D printed. Well, I was I was wondering that. I was going to ask that. But, uh, yeah, because it does kind of look like it's 3D printed. But um, And if you, you might also remember there was a guy that uh, was controversial because he was buying these, slapping a different label on them and, putting, and selling them more expensive. As he customized them. Ah, okay. <laughs> I do remember that. 98 euros so the price is right it's a good video game i mean game show okay so the next one the heiskenveld uh sequential shifter um 173 euros and this thing is tiny this is i mean that's what i like about this it's tiny 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 and it looks hard to mount but it looks very you know doable when I look at the pictures, I'm like, how do you mount this thing, you know? Sorry, I was just going to say, it's the only one we've seen with a curved handle, too. And it is a good price point for something from Huskinville, because you think about their pedals, and that's usually on the higher end. Quality stuff, for sure. They have a good reputation. 
this has been out for a while. This isn't a new product. We have talked about this before, but it's been a long time. There's actually uh, three different handle options as well. It's about the size of a six ounce uh, soda can, or is that a 12 ounce can? Yeah, very tiny. Um, I assume you can screw into the base, but I'm having trouble bringing up the pictures. I'm scrolling through them and don't see anything that says anything about how to mount it. Right. So the next one is the one, this one is a Queef, 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 is I guess is how you say it, Queef Engineering. Yeah, um, looking at a Rick Motec, about eight hundred dollars. This one on the higher side. They like they label it as semi-professional, and it looks like it's got that same screw on the top. This one you actually have to use a flathead screwdriver to adjust, and it has. This is interesting. It's it looks like a pretty complicated adjustment because there's two different springs and two different uh, nuts on here as well as the uh, screw adjustment at the top. How that all works, don't know. Well, it, I mean, it goes forward or backwards. I assume one of them is for backwards and one's going forward. You probably adjust, you know, how, how strong or how soft it might be. That would be my guess. It could also be how hard it snaps back and how hard it is to actually make it snap. Now, if you scroll down on that page, you'll see related items. You'll see the pro-grade version $1,215. Is Joe's shifter Rickmotech? Yeah, this is what I was okay. just saying. Joe has uh, one of these. I, it looks like the one that says 1855 I don't think he paid that much, though. He has, well, he, yeah, he, he paid two grand for his shifter, I believe. Okay, maybe and, that is the one he has. Uh, the ace pattern one there, actually. And so he, he was fussing the other day when, when the car got announced, like, well, shit, now my ace pattern's kind of useless. And it, I don't think it has a sequential mode. That it H does, no, I don't think it does. But this little one, the $809 one, I mean, it's got those those killer internals, uh, you know, the Quaif engineering, uh, much like the other one that we saw from the UK. Uh, obviously, this is Rickmotech. They're based out of Florida, so this is U.S.-based. And to wrap it up, of course, we have our old friends at Fanatic with their club sport shifter version 1.5 which sells for 250 dollars us um so uh this is a h pattern sequential convertible um if you haven't seen one of these before it's got a slider at the bottom of the base that slides forwards and back which switches it from uh h pattern to sequential um it comes with two different uh shifter knobs a, a round knob and an elongated knob for sequential use um so this is the one that I have. I um for I just bought the next gen car last weekend and I switched it over to sequential for the very first time since the first day I bought the thing and it worked fine. I had no problems with it. Everything's been working good. I know uh, there's some detractors out there, Chris Scales, and um but uh, I've never had any issues with mine, uh knock on wood. And uh so uh yeah. I would recommend it so, because if if you have other Fanatic stuff, it's all integrated really well. So uh, that's uh, the Fanatic Club Sport Shifter. Okay, and then the rumor mill does say that they fixed that whatever the issue was. It's not fixed on mine, and I've taken it apart and cleaned it out and repositioned the magnet a couple times, and it would last for a while. And then the, finally, the last time, it stopped 
started acting up again, I just switched permanently to sequential mode. So I like it for sequential, especially knowing what, after finding out what the cup car was going to switch to. And I just use it that way for, for anything where I'm running my, my oval rim now. So I finally remembered which shifter we forgot. Now I actually asked the entire team to help me not forget any shifters and we missed this one. So I'm going to say it now it's jinx. We forgot about jinxshifters.com. So uh, let's talk about those because man, I forgot about these. These are awesome, but man, the price, Oh my gosh, they start at $1,600. And it's a ARB shifter and brake bias gaming combo. Well, this is the one that's particularly beneficial if you run, say, the supercar, right? Where you can make on the fly, is it roll bar adjustments that they can change in the car? Yeah, with that ARB thing. And the -hmm. shifter is uh, sequential, and then it's got the brake bias. So it's kind of a triple... Triple whammy, as you call it. Uh, it's got three things on it. Uh, it's, it's, it's the shifter, and I think it's got a handbrake on it as well, doesn't it? Or is that just the brake bias? Well, you, there's basically, it looks like four levers when you scroll down and look at the yeah, pet, yeah, pictures. Right. But this thing is a beast, and where would you mount it? Is the, and How would you mount this thing? And that's, that would be difficult to figure out, especially on my rig. Uh, if you had 80-20, you could figure it out, but... Yeah, I love. I mean, yeah. If money wasn't an object, I would think I would probably build this onto a rig. Would I ever use all four of those handles? Probably not. But it looks freaking cool. Well, they, they, again, it's it's really comes from the the supercar tradition, right? Those those kind of adjustments. Look, we I have stuff on my button box that's bound to to move the spring purchase or the wedge basically in the in the cup car but uh that's that's the tradition it comes from so particularly anybody who's an aussie fan and really likes that immersion that that's what they would go for i just found some other stuff on their website um so that was like their premium one so they have this v2 jinx sequential gaming shifter at 684 dollars that's a much uh, better price so you can just get the sequential only it's got a silver nylon shifter handle um there is an option for a polyurethane shifter gear knob instead yeah um i'm pretty interested in the jinx i just don't know how i would mount it this one lever one it's a lot more narrower though and that would probably fit right along a piece of profile i think e20 profile it's a lot of money just for a shifter i mean if you want to join the joe club what about the one i started with 156 dollars. i mean that's not a huge investment yeah those first two and the fanatec are all three good options the thrustmaster is not a bad option either if you're if you're looking at the the lower end ones which they're not lower. They're not low end. I guess they would say not not high end. Maybe middle grade. Okay, we got time for one more, Kyle. All right. So Advanced Sim Racing uh, is. I guess they've released their ASR6, which is an eighty twenty platform rig, uh, royal blue with a black accent. It looks pretty good for just a little over twelve hundred bucks. We're looking at thirteen hundred bucks for this. Um, I don't know the value of A20, but I think I might drop 
$1,300 on this if I had it. This is nice. I mean, advancedsimracing.com has some great 8020 rigs that I think are, that you really could compare to like Sim Labs, uh, you know, as far as quality and build. And and I think the, you know, the the thing with advanced sim racing is their colors. They, I mean, to, to present these in a, this nice new royal blue, man, it just looks nice. Yeah, if you if you look at it close up, it's like a kind of metallic looking blue. It's not like a flat blue. Um, I think you're paying a little bit extra for the color there. Um, I think you, if you stick with the normal colors, you'll you'll knock the price down quite a bit. Yeah, he said. Why is the blue more expensive than gray? He said the powder coat costs nine times more than the white or the dark gray. But uh, yeah, we've seen these rigs before, but uh, I just they announced this royal blue and boy this is pops and i would definitely be considering this if you know when i did finally decide to buy one and uh you can actually get in three options you can get the standard wheel deck the fanatic dd direct drive side mount or the semi cube front mount so there's different wheel mount options to pick from yeah i was concerned if you did the front mount would you be able to use those button boxes that also attach to the front in conjunction with the front mount? I don't know if it's compatible. Because I still was thinking about those Derek Spears designs of boxes that you mount to the front of the DSD or the DD1. to results let's talk nascar iRacing series let's wrap up last week darlington uh friday open p18 i kept hitting the center of three and four to get my stripe and i ended up with a drive-through penalty after 17x it was running well still uh top 10 but you know kind of wrecked um i don't know what my problem was that night david wrecked on purpose Yep, it's a guy, same guy that I talked about on Wednesday. Uh, I guess maybe he is a, a fan or something. Um, I'm not a fan of him, and he, he will find out one day when the opportunity presents itself. Ouch. Tony Rochette, P17, stuck a lap down when a lapped car black flagged me. All right, uh, Sunday open. Uh, Adam Jocelyn, he said, uh, P kind of busy, just write me down for a P9 on Sunday and NIS. And be open win Saturday night with a three wide pass for the lead going into one. Wow, three wide and going into one at Darlington is uh, some hairy business. Right, and uh, to get it done and win the race, that's pretty cool. Uh, I remember Adam was saying that the guys thought he was being a little aggressive, and uh, I told him, you know what, this is racing, man. We're not we're not having tea and crumpets here. It's bar rules, man. Yeah, but you still got to finish the race. Well, that's true. Well done, Adam. Tom Dryling got a P12. Uh, did not run well at the beginning of the race. Made a dumb mistake on pit road and lost two laps. Uh, worked my way back up to the lead lap. And I did run Sunday morning as well. Got wrecked out. Um fairly early it was running really clean and uh, was in top split and running towards the front with Arlington I was fast there all three times uh, this ca in this case it was a 
I had just gotten lapped and I was in P8. That's that's it. We'd had a long green flag run, and the leader actually got hit by this guy getting loose, and he caused damage to the leader. And then I come up by him, and uh, we're on the back stretch, thinking he's got it pull, pulled back together. About a half a lap or, or two later, and he guns it in the middle of the straightaway and gets loose and destroys me. Dang. All right, Sunday fixed. I ran and got P5. Man, I, I can't believe a fixed race at Darlington, top five. I love it. Uh, I was tight, tight on the long runs. I had lots of stripes in the middle of four. Uh, I did get a lucky caution, though, after missing pit road on a green flag stop. And uh, <clears throat> it turned out the, the car didn't turn uh, at all. It was crazy. I like, went in there to do my stop. And a lot of people at Darlington, they stay on the track right up until maybe even past turn three and then turn hard left onto pit road. Well, I always do it differently. I pull down low on the back stretch and I go in right over that painted logo and then turn left in the pit road. And I did it that way. And I started to turn left and that car would not turn. I would not turn. And I went straight up onto the track. Um, anyway, I missed pit road. I'm like, oh man, I went all the way around. And as I was getting ready to pull in again, a, another guy did the same thing, but he did it much worse. And he uh, went up in front of somebody on the track and, and caused a caution, which really saved me from losing a lap there. So, um, it was some good luck and I needed it. And so it worked out. So top five, Brian, you were trying to run with me, but it didn't work. Yeah. I logged into the race. Um, we were just getting ready to start qualifying and, and, uh, the, my, the image on my headset, uh, like went all long, it got sideways and uh, I couldn't straighten it back out. So I, I logged off real quick, tried to get in before qualifying started and I was still having issues. So I didn't get to start, um, I found out that there was a firmware update for the uh, HP re Reverb and uh, downloaded that, and I, I've been good since. So I think it was just a matter of needing to update and just pick the bad time because I'd already registered, so I got P37 for not starting, and it took a serious hit on my I rating. Yeah, what can you do, though? Kyle did have to step out. Uh, and uh, Not a lot of details on Sunday Fix, but he put down P20. Yeah, he was actually in my in my uh, session for that race where I dropped out. Uh, so I didn't get to watch him because by the time I dropped out, I was so aggravated. I just didn't even bother watching anybody. And then we moved on to Dover. We ran Wednesday night. Uh, been working really well with Morley is actually helping a lot with the sets. And I tend to run you know, races on the A on Wednesday and Monday or Monday and Tuesday, and I'll give him some feedback and he'll make some changes. Well, he made some changes on this one and we went with what we call, I guess the version two set. And we tested it for 10 laps in practice just to see how it was wearing. And it seemed to be wearing evenly. And then, oh God, we went into the race and after 12 laps, um, I couldn't control the car entering the turn. And it was a complete surprise. Um, and I was two laps down within like 20 laps just because I'd nearly wrecked it three times, including getting loose right in front of somebody, causing them to hit me and, and push me into the inside wall. Uh, but 
got some timely cautions, made some wedge adjustment, and so it didn't have the greatest of tire wear, but it was enough to just kind of hang on there. And then all the cautions and finally some luck to go my way, climbed all the way back up to P14 in the top split. What a recovery, and just to keep at it, because I mean, you were really close to parking it because you couldn't drive it, right? And so you just stayed in it and it paid off. I, I really don't park if this, you know, if in that situation, uh, but I really wasn't able to, to drive it. I, I was probably close to getting lapped a third time just because I was having to be so, so careful going into the corner that I was four, four seconds off the pace with an undamaged car or, you know, slightly damaged. Yep, and so, like you said, we all, three of us practiced uh, the set ahead of time. We thought we were good to go. We get into the race, and I was just a little bit shocked at how much different the conditions were. Um, was it the air from all the dirty cars that in race conditions that we didn't really get in, in practice conditions? I don't know, but it was different in race conditions than practice, but it was loose getting in it. It was really perfect in the middle and getting off is what I was telling Mike. Um, getting off the corner was just perfect. It wasn't too tight, it wasn't too loose, but man, getting in, it was loose, loose, loose. And uh, like David said, I had a really hard time hanging on to it after the about 10 or 12 lap run. Uh, any point after that, I'm hanging onto that car. I mean, like up on the wheel, just holding my breath, anything I could do to hold on to the car. And I was able to help hold on to it and finished uh, P7. I actually ran as high as third, but I wasn't good on those longer runs. And short runs, I was okay. Um, for me to come out of that race with a P7 when everyone else had the, you know, the struggles with the set, uh, man, I'm really happy with that. That was a hard earned P7. Um, Kyle, uh, he wrecked out. Uh, he he was he he was okay with the set. He was saying he backed up the corner for that loose in uh, condition, and he he said he felt pretty good. But at some point, he got wrecked by in some somebody else's stuff. I think. Tony had a self spin. He said it was his first one in a while, and it ended his day. Um, oh, he the time ended. I, I'm, this is tough to read. Uh, first time in a long time ended my day when a car was letting me by and wrecked me. Yeah, you just have to read it how he writes it because uh, sometimes he words it a little weird. Yeah, Tony uh, was loose in as well and he eventually lost it. Um, I, I had I actually lost it once or twice, but I actually recovered and didn't hit anything. So it was, it was okay. And today as I was uh, wrapping up this the school day and hanging getting uh, the gym work in i saw tony post uh i think actually it was before i left work he posted uh, uh f dover tear the place down and that's basically what he says here on the on the script as well he absolutely sucked and ended up with a p17 um so not his favorite track yeah, and he ran a V3 of our set. Um, I missed the race today. I was uh, babysitting my grandson, so wasn't able to run. I'm sorry that I wasn't there to run with Tony, but I'm anxious to run tomorrow night. Moving on to official series, we don't have a whole lot of details. Uh, I did sign up for a Silverstone race late after getting wrecked out. Uh, when was it? Wednesday? 
No. It was one of the A races I got wrecked out of at Dover, I think. There was some, 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 yeah, it was an A race because I was able to finish, get, get into the Silverstone race at 10. I think it was Monday night and took a win there. Okay, moving on to leagues and hosted. Uh, Monday night, Fast Track Sim Racing League. Hey, they are still recruiting, guys. Um, we're having a lot of fun over there, so please join us. We need some more drivers. Um, Man, I ended up wrecked out. Um, I had a good race going too. And I got loose off four all by myself and I couldn't save it and bam, I, I killed it. Um, Brian, you were running with me and you had a great run. Yeah, cause uh, I was terrible practicing. I was hitting the walls all over the place. So I didn't think I'd ever get through this race without without some kind of serious issue, but I didn't. I, I really took my time. I didn't qualify, so I started in the back and wound up just picking up spots. I wasn't super fast, but I think through attrition, I just made my way up towards the front half of the field. Um, finished P6. The race uh, was 146 laps and uh, there was no yellows, which is crazy. The, the car count was a little low, so I think that added to the uh, to the to the yellow no yellows but um yeah so and i finished it and did not have an incident point the whole race so i'm really really happy that i was able to get through that race without any serious issues yeah well done um yeah the car count was a little low i think maybe it had to do with the track and whatnot but um, this league when we first started they were filling the room you know 39 40 drivers uh, we need to get back to that so i'd like to see some drivers join us so if you're out there and want to race monday come race with me and brian premier race network cup tom dryling p3 did not have the get home on the start of a run but was a rocket at the end of the run caution free i'll take a top five and move into second in the points well done how about that guy Dwayne macarthur podcast famous well, yeah, big congratulations to Dwayne MacArthur uh, winning the Aftermath podcast uh, truck race at Dover. Um, I guess that would just be this uh, yesterday. Yeah. And Steve Thompson second, Tom Ogle third. GridFinder is your go-to source for finding your next sim racing league. Currently home to over 450 leagues across all gaming platforms and across 10 different racing sims, including over 80 iRacing leagues. Filter your search by racing sim, car class, race day, and region. Finding a league to fit your schedule has never been this easy. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or upload your own. GridFinder GridFinder.com The home of online sim racing leagues. And with that, we're jumping to final thoughts. Brian McCubbin. Uh, not a whole lot going on this week. It's actually been a really busy week for me, so I don't think I'm going to jump on Dover until Sunday. Hopefully I get some good results in the NIS and uh, go from there. Okay. David Hall, final thoughts. Well, my race count is about to go up as we're getting ready to wrap up the school year in a couple couple of uh, weeks. But another special thing that our good news thing that's happening this week or this summer, I have already bought my tickets for Nashville Super Speedway. 
Uh, do plan on getting there. So I'd like any of the listeners that that happen to be heading out that way to to let us know, and we'll try to to get something together. I'm, there's no infield passes still, so I was hoping to try to get a chance to go hang out with some of the drivers that uh, that run iRacing racing too. But they're they're not going to let us in the infield, so that's going to be kind of tough. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you should hit up Fast Pasta, and, and maybe he'll meet you outside the track or something. All right, uh, Tony Groves, final thoughts? Well, uh, i got to say it one more time. Uh, ladies Night Out Racing uh, this Saturday night, Aftermath is going to be doing the commentating. And it uh, looks like this weekend I'm going to be doing my very first Indy 500. Um that's going to be interesting. I have pretty much zero experience in that car. So uh, not sure if I'm looking forward to that yet or not, but I'll be racing with uh, Chris and Tony. So, uh, at the very least, uh, we're going to have a great time. Yeah, the fixed is this weekend, uh, and the qualifying is open. I was asking everybody uh, on the team who's run their qualifying laps. I, I didn't get a lot of answers. Yeah, I still haven't ran my qualifying qualifying laps yet um i'm still just kind of getting used to the use of the car so maybe i don't even put a qualifying run in i don't know we'll see we'll see we got time well it's part of the uh the thing of the indy 500 because it's what's unique about it is it's a four lap average so you go out there for uh four four timed laps and they average them together so that makes it really high pressure too because you could have three great laps and then if you ding, if you just tap the wall, uh-oh, you just wasted that run. Come back in 30 minutes or whatever. Is it every 30 minutes? Something like that. But you can do the qualifying over and over and over. Yeah, well, we're actually doing, doing it in the majors this weekend as well with open setup, and you get one shot. All right, my final thoughts. Uh, man, the ambient lighting project, I would consider a success. Um, it didn't give the effect I was thinking I would get, but I still consider this a, a success. And uh, the wallpaper matching, uh, you know, the computer, just the look of the room and all that, I mean, that sold me on it, let alone how it looks when I race. So I like it, I'm gonna keep it, I might add to it, not right away. I'm gonna live with it for a while. I am pushing the wife on the blackout curtains though. Um, she wants curtains on, in a different part of the house, and I'm going to try to tag team or tag on to that my office and get uh, something um, in the works. So that project continues, and uh, I don't know if we're going to run the Indy 500. I, I, I'm not planning on it, but I need to look at the schedule and see if I can fit it in. And with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.